0: People have, usually they're astonished when they hear this fact. I mean, this fact, and and this is nothing to do with this morning's message, but something that I would like to highlight with regard to, you know, all things church, and that is that a hummingbird weighs about the same weight as a penny, and they are vigorous with the hum of activity. They will drink everybody's sugar and liquid you'll put out for them. They're kind of like kids in that regard, right? But you know, hummingbirds don't sing. I mean, to the best of my knowledge, all my research tells me they don't sing. But you know people know about hummingbirds? Because hummingbirds are vigorously alive and vibrant in action. And that's the picture of what we see here at the church when we gather to do things to serve our mothers and to serve others. And so this morning was a testimony to the, to, the, to the life and vitality of our church, and I'm grateful for that. I hope you're grateful for that this morning. We're grateful for our moms. We wanted to say thank you to them while we have breakfast, and we're, we're honored to be able to do that this morning. So this morning I hope to share with you from God's Word about a perspective, maybe a unique perspective on a mother that is a very important mother in Scripture. So if you'll turn with me in your Bibles to John chapter... we'll begin with verse number 1 and look at the first 10 verses. When you find John chapter 2 verse number 1 if you would stand in honor of God's word. John chapter 2 verse number 1. It says, On the third day there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee. And the mother of Jesus was there. Now both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. have no woman. Jesus said to her, Woman, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour is not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Whatever he says to you, do it. Now there were set there six water pots of stone according to the manner of purification of the Jews, containing 20 or 30 gallons apiece. Jesus said to them, Fill the water pots with water, And they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, Draw some out now and take it to the master of the feast. And they took it. And when the master of the feast had tasted the water that was made to wine, he didn't know where it came from. But the servants who had drawn the water knew. The master of the feast called the bridegroom, and he said to him, Every man at the beginning sets out the good wine, and when the guests have well drunk, then the inferior. Have you kept the good wine until now? Would you pray with me? Lord, we thank you for an opportunity to be in your house, an opportunity to come and Lord to experience. Lord, the the scriptures which give us life and give us vitality, they teach us so much about every aspect. We ask, Lord, this morning that you would be honored through the exploration of your word and that the mothers would be edified, and that the families would be blessed as a result. We ask for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Not a not 100% sure what happened, but I feel like the sound dropped out. I don't know if that's you guys or me. Or Is it okay? You guys can hear me? Okay, alright. It messed me up a little bit in the reading. I apologize for that. Well, something is occurring here in Scripture, and I want you to, to grab a hold of it with me, and that is that um, and I, when I talk about this passage, there's a couple of really cool teaching points, but really something subtle is occurring here. Because in the last couple of weeks, Brother Ben has been kind of hammering the nail. That is, you don't go to the king, and you don't tell him or ask him what he's going to do about a situation. You go to the king, and you say to him, what would you have me do, right? When you look at this story, you're like, but Jesus' mother comes to Jesus, and she's like, what are you going to do? Which is a clear indication that it does occasionally happen this way. But then she says something that lines real nicely up with what I've been telling you. She tells them to do whatever he tells them to, tell them to do, to go and do that. Well, let's look at it together. We see this, this stage is set for a, a phenomenal thing, and it's really interesting because this happened so early. The whole first chapter in the book of John is, is dedicated to kind of pronouncing who Jesus is and, and how he is proclaimed in the world around us. And you get to this immediate miracle. It says, On the third day there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Now both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. There's this picture of being somewhere that you're invited to be. Somewhere that you have been intentionally brought to. And there's this expectation that not only Jesus, but those that are around him, this must be a big deal because Jesus has been gathering up, according to the the scriptures, people from all kind of corners of the community he lived in. So if they're all invited, if this group is gathered up, there's a picture here that tells you that this is a big event. Verse 3 says, And when they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. Now, I don't know about you, but a lot of planning goes into taking care to make sure there's enough. Right? You know, Brother Ben is standing in Sam's Club this week counting slices in a loaf of bread to make sure that I've got enough servings. I mean, you're paying attention to this kind of thing, right? You know, you never have problems. The bacon always gets eaten. It's the toast that you might be left with. To be in a major event like this in a run out would have been a huge amount of shame was putting the wedding together. And this is not just like, oh, it's embarrassing. This is like, hey, you have just put yourself in the eyeball of everyone who's present. And in the culture that Jesus grew up in, this would have been a big thing. And Jesus' mother sees this. The mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. And she's keenly aware of something. And and I want you to get your first piece of insight here and and something that you should notice, and that is that if you're in tune with your community and you're in tune with the world around you, then the things that are happening in your community should matter to you enough that you are willing to talk to Jesus about the things that are happening in the world around you. And so, you know, you think, is is it too small a deal in my community that I should bother Jesus with it? No. No. To be part of a community where something like this is taking place and all of a sudden you have some insight and you're saying, I can't fix this problem. So what should you immediately do anytime you think as a believer in Jesus if you can't fix a problem? What should you immediately do? You should talk to Jesus about it. You should say, I don't know how to fix this problem, Lord. And she comes right to Jesus and she's like, they have no wine. And Jesus is, his, his, his his answer. Before we get to that, and if you're going to take notes this morning, the first point that I want you to write down is, is that moms should go to Jesus with all problems. you have problems in your life? Do you spend more time complaining about your problems than praying about your problems? This isn't just for moms, by the way. This is for everybody. But specifically, you know, this morning in this picture, we see this as we edify the moms, we lift them up. I want you to think, if you've got a problem, I want you to go straight to Jesus with it. Jesus' response kind of, it it always catches me off guard. Read it with me. Jesus said to her, woman, what does your concern have to do with me? And he sounds like, an almost adult teenage boy, doesn't he? I'm not trying to get Jesus in trouble here. But I don't know about you, but you live in a world with teenagers in it and you lean in and you ask him to do something. They're like, what do you want me to do about it? And that's kind of how I feel when I read this. I'm like, Jesus, this is your mom. And I think the disciples are probably like, oh, I'm going to be standing next to Jesus right now. He just asked, what does this have to do with me, woman? I mean, right? There is a smack of his authority, though, in it when he speaks to the matter because he's like, my hour has not yet come, and he's talking about his, this, this, this public invitation for him to be before the world in ministry and doing this thing, and there's these transitions that happen in the Gospels where you recognize that he, he goes from collecting his disciples into being out and doing the miracles that he's going to do, and this is the, this is the front-running miracle that happens in John. And when he does this, he, he leans in, and he tells her, it's not yet time. But I'm going to tell you something about moms. Am I, am I qualified to do that? I have one, and I'm married to one. Am I qualified to tell you something about moms this morning? I don't know. I might not be. It's okay. You can fact check this later. Okay. Moms oftentimes see things that other people don't, and they oftentimes will call people into action who would otherwise be comfortable and conveniently stowed away doing nothing at all, right? And that's great about moms, that they oftentimes see things that others don't see that need to be done. So here's my advice to the rest of the room. If a mom tells you to do something, you ought to do as best as you can. And I'm going to get in trouble for this later. I know I am. Just say yes, ma'am, and go do it. Okay, I know some of the guys are like, Brother Ben, Brother Ben. Especially today, by the way. Okay, especially. What I love is that her response is nothing of that expectation that when she tells her son something that she expects him to do it, that he'll do it. So much so that her next line is one of confidence and authority. She says to the servants, whatever he says to you, do it. Now this is very much in line with what's been preached in Acts through the three chapters we've looked at where you get the picture of, what would my king have me do? And there's a moment here where the scripture calls out where Jesus' mom leans into the question and she's like, they're about to be terribly embarrassed. And he's like, what do you want me to do? And she's like, whatever he says to do, do that. There's a great deal of stuff that the scripture teaches us about what Jesus is telling us to do that most of us think is optional. But it's not. I, I want to just challenge you for just a moment okay. Um, John Moskowitz was the leader of Jews for Jesus for a while and he's gone to glory and I, I don't know him personally but I got a chance to hear him talk and and sit in an in a apologetics conference where he was at and he was talking about a man that he had been witnessing to who just happened to be Jewish. I mean believe that or not right? And the man is talking about um, about the thing and, and He's being criticized for not being a good Jew and John Moskowitz is a phenomenal, phenomenal man. But he's like as far as his brain, his intellect, his his leaning in and he's being questioned. He says, Well, you're kind of a a buffet believer in Judaism. He goes, What do you mean? He goes, You kinda pick and choose what you like from the old testament. And he says, No, 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 no. No, 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 no. I'm I'm not a buffet believer. I'm 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 a fulfillment of the covenant believer. And he's like, it has grown into more. I am, I am obligated and required to follow more faithfully in my pursuit of it because of Jesus. And he's like, don't do that. Don't diminish this. And so there's this moment where when we look at the Bible and we see Jesus and his mother is leaning in and says, whatever he tells you to do, do it. And if you want any good advice that you need to give somebody in any moment, moms, look at them and say, whatever Jesus has told you to do, go do that. And you're out of advice, just say, what does the Bible say? I tell this to people all the time. When they'll say to me, they'll they'll ask a question and they'll say something about it. I say, well, what does the Bible say? And it's phenomenal because there always seems to be some right answer in the Bible. Maybe God planned that out on purpose. Point number two, moms should tell everyone to follow Jesus' instruction. If you're a mom in this place, tell people about Jesus. Tell them to follow his instructions. Amen? And then when the moms tell you to follow Jesus' instructions, your answer should be yes. Oh, we'll try that one more time your your response to a mother that tells you to do something Jesus told you to do should be yes thank you I feel like the moms are stronger in the room than the guys are and the children yes ma'am if you, if you can say yes ma'am to an instruction that comes from your arm it's a whole lot easier than to say yes sir when Jesus tells you to do it isn't it we learn in our house you know and I'm still still working on this one even with our children you know it's told Uh, of a tale of of some of our relatives to talk about how when Southerners moved into their community, that all of a sudden, sir and ma'am became nomenclature to the neighborhood that hadn't been there. We're missing some etiquette, by the way, in the world. Yes, sir, and yes, ma'am, and no, sir, and no, ma'am. is one of the things I hammer to the children when I talk to them. We use good manners here. But we look this picture over and we see this thing. Whatever he says to do, do that. It says, now there were set there six water pots of stone, according to the manner of purification of the Jews, containing 20 or 30 gallons apiece. That's a lot of water. You know what these vessels are used for? Most of you, having grown up in Western culture America, have no idea. You know, this is a ritual purification vessel that's at the doorpost, at the door of every household, and there's several of them, and there's a big event, so they've set up several of them. And the point of this is that if you're going to be a proper Hebrew, a proper Jewish person, in the culture of a wedding, or in the culture of a house calling, and you're going to go in, what you're going to do is you're going to shove your, your, your hands and all the way down to your elbows or past into this water to bring it up, and to see what you're saying to, your, to the world around you is, is that, I'm clean. If you know if you're not ritually clean and you put your hands in there you defile it and nobody else should then after you so what you're telling them is you're okay to come in And so by doing this ritual you're coming in and it's a picture of a washing of the outside to tell the world that you're acceptable now, what's phenomenal to me is that jesus turns this water these vessels into something that they would drink and there would be At this type of a wedding, probably a very small amount of actual alcohol in the wine, and it would have been perfect for making sure that the thing that they drank didn't harm them on the inside. Probably would have been very difficult to be intoxicated by this alcohol, but not impossible. But it would have been medicinally beneficial for them on the inside, and it's a beautiful picture of Jesus saying, you want to show the world that you're clean on the outside. I want you to be clean on the inside. And it's something that we don't see unless we're looking closely at what he's doing here. And Jesus is taking the moment of his mom leaning in and saying, You need to do something about this. And he's teaching us a powerful lesson that it doesn't matter how good you look on the outside, if you don't look good on the inside, it doesn't matter. And he's told him, Fill these pots with water. You see, your mom is probably a lot more concerned with what you're thinking in your head and what you're believing in your heart than she is about how you're dressing probably a whole lot more concerned with what you, what you talk about and what you listen to than your physical appearance. And if she follows Jesus, she'll know that that's the most important part. So Jesus has got these vessels that are in front of him, and he tells them, he says, fill the water pots with water. And they filled them to the brim. And he said to them, draw some out now and take it to the master of the feast. And he starts at the top. Isn't this a beautiful picture in in any any celebration or any household or anything? And there's this moment where it's like, how do we make change in any given community? Well, you go to the leadership in the community and you work your way down. You wanna alter the world around you? Go to the people who make decisions Pray for those people. Do those things. In the household, you want to make a difference in your household? I don't know how many times I've seen it throughout the course of my life. And, you know, there's a statistic that we see, and, and I see it in our own statistics when we break everything down. And I'll tell you that I pay attention to that kind of stuff, and I've been making a big campaign, and I've been dipping in and out of classrooms with our connect groups and cleaning up roles and trying to work on membership and got the help of some of our other people at church help working on membership stuff. And you know what I see? I see that more women than men come to church here just like everywhere else. Women are typically beating men to the feet of Jesus regularly. It was really cool, though, by the way, to see the men serve the women today. Really cool. That's a culture that I would like to see grow here in a way that is, you know, tells the world a different story, but you see this picture here that, as we recognize it, that look at the big picture with me. Jesus' mother sees a simple need, a big moment of honor and shame. And she leans into Jesus and asks him to do something about it. And immediately, the master of the house is, is going to be blessed by this, by this transformation that takes hold. And this is something that all of us ought to be a part You don't think that as a mom that you can influence the world? Go talk to Jesus about every single problem that you know about. And then when people ask you, what are you going to do today? You're going to say, I'm going to talk to my king about what he wants us to do, and we're going to go do that and you're gonna see a revolutionary change. Well, as a result, they do exactly what he says, right? And they're gonna draw this water out, and they're gonna take it, right? That's, that's how the end of the verse, just the last few words in verse number eight says, and they took it. Point number three in your bulletin today is we should all follow Jesus' instruction. We should all follow all of Jesus' instruction to see life change. I know I chopped that up. It's gonna be on the screen much prettier, more eloquent than me this morning. Just those, just those simple words, and they took it. They did exactly what he said. They filled the pots. He, 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 he did this miracle. He transforms it, and then they deliver it. And then what happens next is, is when the master of the feast had tasted the water that, had made, that was made wine and did not know where it came from, but the servants who had drawn the water knew. And this is something that I want you to really, just, just really boil down, and we're going to just distill it down to this one moment. Changes in the culture and the community around you sometimes will be invisible to the people who are being impacted the most by them. But those of us who are serving Jesus will know exactly why things are changing. And it's because some of us are following Jesus. It doesn't take a ton of people following Jesus to make huge changes to a world. Think about it with me. There were 12 initial followers of Christ that he invested in for three years. You now have the gospel in a bound form, including the Old and New Testament in a book, and you are free to carry it wherever you go. And it started with one man investing in 12 followers. Sometimes we're like, man, I just wish the whole world would change. One heart, one decision, one miracle, one problem, going to Jesus at a time. Transformation. Moms can be the benchmark of transformation when they take their problems to Jesus, when they know of problems in their community and they walk right up to him. Some of us will know exactly where that change starts. The master of the feast called the bridegroom, then he said to him, every man at the beginning sets out good wine, and when the guests have well drunk, then the inferior, you have kept the good wine until now. And this is kind of the end cap, and it's kind of this weird conversation about how this this story is unfolding, but it's the picture is this. It doesn't matter how deep into the thing you're in, the right time for Jesus to make an impact is right now. It doesn't matter how messed up things are in life. The right time for Jesus to make an impact is right now. And for some of us, We have been listening and I hope that you, that if you're here today as a guest of your mother and you're here, I hope that you hear me clearly on this. If it would please your mother to be in church, it probably has more to do with what she's thinking about your heart and your life than just making her happy. And there's something in this for you, not just her. And so I hope that you'll take that seriously this morning. I hope that you'll take that deep into your heart and you'll say to yourself, What would my mother tell me? She would tell me to listen to Jesus. And then she would tell me to do whatever he's told me to do. Have you done that today? Have you made Jesus your savior? Because I know that's what my mother would have told me to do. Make Jesus your savior. Ask him to be in charge of your life. Have you done that yet? Well, we're going to have an invitation in just a few moments. And when that happens, I'm going to ask you to stand. And we're going to have some music playing. And it'll be pretty simple for you to be able to come and respond. You might be in this place and maybe you have a broken relationship with your mom. I, real, I realize that Mother's Day and Father's Day are some of the hardest holidays for people with broken homes. But what I tell people and what I challenge people is this. If you love God, then you set the example and you don't expect it to be set for you because you're going to Jesus with your problems and you're asking him what he wants you to do. And then you're just telling the world that. And so maybe you're here and you've got busted stuff in your home. And maybe, maybe you need to talk to God about that. Maybe the first thing you need to do is tell him about that problem. He's listening. And maybe this invitation will be for you. But if you're here today and you haven't yet made Jesus your Savior, don't let this moment pass you by. That'll be a life-changing moment where you'll see a transformation that's as powerful or more than this very first miracle here. Would you stand with me today? And would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Lord, we thank you that when we come to your house, we can always look to scripture and be reminded. We can be reminded that there's answers for every single scenario. And as we celebrate moms today, let it not escape us that the right thing for us to do is to listen to you, to talk to you, to come directly to you with everything in our life. Lord, and then just follow hard after doing whatever you tell us. I pray, Lord, for the mothers here, Lord, that, that, that love you. Lord, I pray their children would love you. And for those that come from broken homes, I pray that they could find, they could find church family that would love them like, like what they're missing. I pray, Lord, that we could come and just tell you about our situations in such a way that you would be honored this morning and that this time would be a day to celebrate the healing of brokenness, the lifting of burdens, the right the right obedient action to follow you in anything you've told us. We ask for this in Jesus' name. Amen.